This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Morning Majlis podcast. The Morning Majlis, talking the stories that are shaping headlines. This is Pulse 95. Yeah, as we were just talking about the Arabian travel market, I had the privilege of uh, having an, an interview with um, Minister Edmund Bartlett, who is the Jamaican Tourism Minister in Dubai, uh, of course, at this event. And it was amazing. We talked about uh, global tourism, resilience, the relationship, the strong relationship between the UAE and Jamaica, and also about how the uh, industry, the tourism industry, is becoming sustainable and achieving net zero. But he had a really interesting perspective about net zero that I want you guys to listen to. Here is our interview uh, with myself, Louis Denham, and the Jamaican Tourism Minister in Dubai, Edmund Bartlett. So I'm joined by the Minister of Tourism uh, in Jamaica, uh, Minister Bala. Thank you very much for taking your time today. I'd like to ask a couple of questions about the relationship between the UAE and Jamaica and how important that is uh, in terms of the tourism industry in Jamaica itself. Well, the Jamaica and the UAE's relationship has been building and building steadily. I think we're on the verge now of having a diplomatic yeah. relations and to have a, an embassy here in um, Dubai. Um, we have been uh, working through a number of channels, of course, but the big point of contact between us has been the people of the region who are so much a part of the Caribbean now. The transmigration pattern over the last 400 years have seen a number of uh, UAE uh, citizens coming to live in the region, bringing their traditions and their food and their mores and their lifestyle and all of that has blended nicely into a Caribbean now which is a mosaic. It's a reflection of all of these key uh, ethnic and cultural strains. So the UAE is now, I think, the new oyster for us. The Caribbean wants to be involved in tourism here and we're talking with the airlines, all the four key airlines from not just UAE but the MENA area in general. Um, and we also are looking at how to bring investment from this area into the Caribbean. Because as you know, tourism, where investment goes, the people follow. Yeah. And it's a natural. So, um, and the sharing of wealth is what the world is about. The transfer too of wealth from one area to another. And the Caribbean and the UAE, I think, are now poised for some wealth sharing. Yeah. <laughs> True tourism. Absolutely. And uh, I can tell that the, uh, in the Caribbean, tourism is essential for the economy. Uh, how have these last few years been recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic? Have you found it to come back to some form of normal- uh, normality or is it still on the rise coming back to where it was uh, pre-COVID? Well, the Caribbean has been one of the leading areas of um, recovery in tourism in the world. And um, Jamaica has pretty much led the way in that regard. We are now fully recovered in terms of our visitor arrivals and our earnings exceed that of the pre-COVID period. So we're expecting at the end of 23 to see some 4.2 million visitors into Jamaica and we earn 4.5 billion US dollars. Now that would be almost a billion dollars more than 2019 in terms of earning. Our employment is back, 
in full, thank goodness. And um, we're expecting to have 3,000 new rooms added to our room stock this year. And we're looking at 20,000 new rooms over the next five to 10 years. So we're seeing that the industry is playing not just the role it did in 2019, but is now poised to play a bigger role yeah. and to be a, a greater impact on the economy overall and to have what we call the flow-through effect so that more of the people of Jamaica will begin to feel the impact and effect of the tourism dollars. And we're at an incredible event today, of course, it's the Arabian travel market. And um, I'd like to ask you, because the theme of today, the theme of this is sustainability and net zero world emissions. Um, how is the tourism industry or the travel industry becoming more sustainable as the, 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 the year goes on? Well, let me put it this way. The environment is the product for tourism. Uh, we are not an entity unto ourselves. Tourism doesn't exist on its own. Uh, tourism is a confluence of many moving parts. And the environment and climate are central to the whole uh, tourism product and the experiences that we offer to the world. So, we have a duty, we have a responsibility to not just preserve the environment, but to enhance, to add value. So, the projection as I see it for tourism is not about net zero. Net zero is much too conservative. Ours must be net positive. Tourism must be the driver of not just uh, a 1.5 uh, degree increase in temperature but a reversal of that 1.5 to a positive position where we can look forward to a global experience of greater sustainability so I think that we in tourism recognize that it is an individual responsibility to manage this climate change issue it's not about the industrialized countries or the poorer countries. It's not about the big industries like oil and so on. It's about every single individual. Yeah. And tourism has a particular role to play in all of this. 1.4 billion people travel across the world in 2019 for touristic purposes. And they spend what, 9 trillion US dollars. Yeah. But in the process, they all left a footprint a carbon footprint and in the process I think nearly 8% of the carbon emissions that have contributed to um, the global warming yeah. has emanated from tourism so we now should pay back yeah. and I think that the fund that can be created which I'm calling the resilience fund can enable countries to build capacity to first of all track disruptions global phenomena to secondly mitigate against the thirdly manage when they come because these dis disruptions are gonna come the earthquakes are gonna come you know the storms and typhoons and cyclones are gonna come uh, and then to manage when they arrive and then to recover and finally to thrive after recovery. now thriving after recovery is a real challenge and so many countries have had a disruption of a sort or other, never recover, and more importantly, never thrive. So what we need now is a fund that will create that capacity. Now, COP27 spoke about 
the loss and damage and we've been talking about climate funds in various forms, you know, the Green Fund and the IPPC and so on. But all of that ends up in multilateral agencies with huge rules and regulations as to how to access it. And small, medium-sized countries such as ours in the Caribbean that are highly vulnerable yeah. and weakly res resourced are at the bottom of the scale for accessing this. Yeah. But if we had a, a fund created by every single visitor who comes to your shore and they leave a tip behind for every element of consumption that they are involved in, bearing in mind that tourism is the most consumption-driven activity on planet Earth. People travel to consume. And so at every point of consumption, there is a carbon footprint. And so you provide a tip at that point, whatever that tip might be, $1,000, $100, $10, $1, 10 cents. But it is left in the destination that you're going to. And it forms that fund for mitigation, for adaptation, and for building of human capacity to manage disruptions. I assure you that that will create a large enough pool of funds that will be domestic, managed by the people in the destination, and will create for them the capacity to enable a more sustainable environment and consequently more experiences for more visitors to visit the area. So that's my take on what I think we need to be looking at. And COP28, which is going to be here in, um, in Dubai, I plan to be here. And um, I established the first ever Global Tourism Resilience and Crisis Management Center at the University of the West Indies in Jamaica. And since I did that in 2019, within a few months we had a pandemic. You know, and we've established our satellite centers in um, the Kenyatta University, Nairobi. We have one at the uh, University of the Middle East in Amman, in Jordan. We have one at Beaumont University in the UK. We have one at George Brown College in uh, Toronto and at um, Carlton University in Ottawa. And now we're looking at establishing in um, Rwanda, in Botswana, in Namibia, in South Africa, in Sierra Leone, in Bulgaria, in Sofia in Bulgaria, in Japan, and finally in Barbados. So we're going to be having eight more centers to the six that we now have, and the ambition is to have 20 centers by the end of the year in 20 universities across the world. The purpose of that, of course, is to bring young minds together yep. to start thinking about managing and mitigating yeah. um, the, against these disruptions that are coming. And I'm excited about the prospects of that. And if tourism is able to lead the way in terms of building resilience for sustainability, then the future of the world is secure. That's some beautiful words. Thank you very much, Minister Bartlett. And uh, this has been Pulse95. We've just learned a lot about the sustainability of tourism and how we are going to net zero. That was a very motivational uh, talk that I had with the um, Jamaican Tourism Minister Edmund Bartlett. Uh, a, a great interview. Thank you very much for listening to that. And let me know what your thoughts are on that interview. Do you agree with some of his points? I found them incredibly interesting. How he, he focuses on not achieving net zero. He thinks that's a conservative viewpoint 
that we actually have a responsibility when it comes to tourism to achieving net positive. And I, th- I, I can stand by that. Let's look at net positive as the next step um, in the climate world. Do let me know at 4215. Text us your viewpoints on that interview. We'd love for you to join the conversation. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 7 a.m.